How are we there, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, once again, joined by co-host Ben. How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. It's been a relatively good week in football. We'll take it. It has been, mate. It has been. Plenty of going on around the world, obviously here in Australia, obviously all the, in, in the UK, everything else. Before we go any further, thanks to everyone for jumping in. Um, thanks to our major sponsor, Gabriel Ma, Optometrist at Jesmond. Be sure to go check out those guys. Thanks to Luke for whacking that in there. Uh, before we go um, any thanks further, to introducing our... the special guest, I have put on a timer for Ben. 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes, guys. We're going to make sure someone has a look at the time of starting now. And I want you to jot down if he mentions, mentions or utters the word Birmingham City. So he's very excited. He got a win. Riley McGree scored. And obviously our uh, special guest is currently residing in Birmingham, commuting to Derby. So I'm sure he's got plenty to talk about his time. There it is. 29 minutes and 57 seconds to go. So, um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, be sure to get them in. Muchly appreciated. We will introduce our special guest all the way from the UK, Nathan Pluskett. How are you, mate? Good, lads. How are you? Very good, mate. Very, Very good. good. Very good. How's um, how's the UK going? How's we? Well, I suppose before we get into any football and everything else, we may as well talk COVID. It's let's be honest, it's a hot topic. Um, how how different has it been over there compared to what we've had it over here? How you finding it? Um, I mean, in terms of in terms of COVID, it seems to have been a fair bit worse. Um, just in the, I mean, I'm not going to make too much of a comment on the, I guess, the government actions, but um, in terms of the the volume of cases and the amount of uh, fatalities we've had as a result of it, I, I think just looking at the the different stats, I think it's been a fair bit worse over here. Mm. England's a relatively small country in comparison to the population. I think it's like you know 65 million people in yeah. a space less than the size of New South Wales. Um, so it's, you know, in like kind of like sardines. Um, so I think that's kind of amplified a little bit. Um, yes, we are about to go into a, a second lockdown, a little bit less severe than the first one, uh, I believe. But yeah, uh, another lockdown nonetheless. So hopefully coming out of it soon. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. It's um, obviously we've got a few few friends over there in the UK um, who have said they've been doing it a little bit tough. Obviously, no different to over here, I suppose, well, in Victoria. We've only just been able to go to the pubs. These guys have shut down the pubs there currently, I believe, in we'll go most places. So I'm sure... And shutting down the pubs in, the, shutting down the pubs in the UK is a massive thing. <laughs> That's yeah, the economy massive, takes a big whack there. It's a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're on a shoestring friggin' wage or a friggin' bloody good one. I mean, the, everyone still goes to the pub, no matter what you get. A, what you get a week in your paycheck. Told you, um, Joshy wouldn't be far away. There he is, Garfield. There he all, is, all the Hello, way from Dad. Derby himself. Good day, peeps. How how British? <laughs> Just to come in and brighten up our our podcast. Um, yeah, Dan, mate. Any questions you've got? Obviously, for Nathan in regards to. You know, your club, my club. Um, I am wearing Derby shirt. Thanks to Ben's uncle for bringing us that over. So, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit, obviously, about a little bit about Derby, a little bit about the championship. But most of all, I think the interesting thing and probably the best uh, or the most interesting thing I want to get out of this episode is to pretty much talk to you about strength and conditioning 
and rehab. That's pretty much what you do over there. And it's probably something that doesn't really get a lot of, you know, no one really talks about it. You know, as a fan, you mm. just want your player, you, you want your team's play to be on the pitch. They get injured. Yeah. It, you, you know, it's shit. How long is that going to be? And then, you know, you'll get the diagnosis. It'll be, oh, you know, you'll be back in about six weeks. But that's it. You just jot that down on the calendar. Date, yep, cool. That's six weeks. Let's see him. You don't, yep. you know, the fans don't exactly know what goes, what the player goes through and how much effort and stuff like that they've got to put in and, um, you know, how much of a toll I'm sure it takes on you as well to make sure that these guys are getting the best training and everything else that they need to... Mm. Very, very much like t- timelines and, and, you know, what goes into one injury versus maybe another injury. Yes. And, and yep. things like that. Yeah, everything's different. That's it. Freaking from a, from a, and, a and, and individual players as well, because every indi- individual player is different as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. But we may as well start from way back in the beginning, mate. Obviously, Australian born and bred. So it's, yeah, great, to see, obviously, it's great to see Aussie doing well, obviously. You know, with obviously sports science and obviously, you know, that sort of scenario. And um, let's be honest, if you can get a chance to obviously go overseas into Europe, um, no matter what sport I suppose you can get into, it's massive, you know. Mm. So it all, I guess it all started, where was it? I, I believe it was the rowing, uh, where was it? Yes, it was analyst. the, yes, it was it, um, with the Australian canoe slalom team. That's right. Yeah, so, uh, so that, was, how... that was back in oh, second year uni, that was. <laughs> oh. Second year uni, wow. So, obviously, yeah. before, we may as well go through the education as well. So, c- correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it was the, You went through the Australian Catholic University? Correct, yes. Yeah. Um, and you got a master's, master's degree in high-performance sport? Yep. And a bachelor's degree in exercise sports science? Yes. Yeah. So how was that? How how long did it take? Um, what made you want to go down that road? Um, well, in terms of time, uh, it took – so my undergrad took about three years. Um, I went straight into a, a postgrad. Uh, initially took it on part-time um, in conjunction with um, – I think I was – I just started with Sydney FC at that time, so I took it on part-time. For that and then obviously some other work i was doing um ended up doing full-time and a half workload in my last semester to get it finished in full-time so it took me about four and a half five years to do that um in terms of what motivated me to do it it was kind of like i was an all right athlete i was good at a lot i wasn't great that much um like i excelled a little bit in cricket when i was younger um, but I, I've always had like a, a real big passion for sport, um, both as a, as a player and then obviously supporting um, various different codes. Um, and then so when I got to, I guess it was like year 10, 11, I was like, you know, PDHPE in school mm. is what I found most interesting. Um, yep. And then coming into year 12, you know, it was my, probably my best subject. And um, it was kind of a no brainer from that point. I didn't know that this career path existed. Um, as you know, in terms of it, how specific it is, but mm. um, I knew that's that's kind of the, the path I wanted to go down, whether it was PE teaching or whether it was personal training or whatever it was. Um, I knew that the human body and and you know physical training was the area that I wanted to go down. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, honestly, I I don't know about the whole learning side of things for PE 
PE was definitely my one of my favourite subjects at school. Not for the riding down bit, just for the... <laughs> just yeah, just play a bit of golf. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be born um, and raised, obviously, in Newcastle, so right on the beaches, so surfing for a sport and everything nice. else. And that's good. Yeah, you know, fantastic. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, homework, yeah, wasn't my forte, unfortunately. Um, Matt Taylor just puts in here, I wish Nathan all the best with the UK lockdown. Um, thank you very much, Matt. Yeah, well done. Well said. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. I hope everything goes well over there. I suppose as long as you work and mate, I suppose that's the that's the best thing. You yeah. Know, same thing over here. I was lucky enough to work all the way through and I wasn't. Else. No, you weren't. That's I suppose that's the biggest thing. You know, I was able to get out. Granted, it was literally out of the house straight to work, but still it's better than yeah. nothing, I suppose. Um I yeah. was locked up for six and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah, bugger that. Uh so obviously, yeah, so you started there. I, I believe you moved down to or you moved on to what is it, the Western Sydney Wanderers? Strength and conditioning coach, sports scientist with um, the youth system, and the W. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, one of my my lecturers at um, ACU uh, was Craig Duncan, um, and he was head of sports science for Socceroos at the time, and uh, had a consultancy role with with the Wanderers, and he brought uh, myself and a mate of mine on board um, as. I guess to to run the under twenty ones S and C program, um, which was you know obviously great for us being football uh, supporters. Uh, I was a Sydney FC supporter at that time, um, so it was a little bit difficult. But uh, worked through that. Um, so went through a season with with them, um, which was an incredible experience. Um, I wish I'd kind of gotten that role a little bit, having a little bit more experience under my belt, having known a little bit more than I did at the time. Um, yeah. But obviously, that's a learning curve that everyone everyone goes through. Um, and then spend a little bit of time with the uh, the women's team, but not for too long because after that, I went on board with uh, Sydney FC. So that ended quite quickly with the women's team. But yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, so obviously the main main question I got out of that was um, what happened to all the all the gear you were given? Yeah, <laughs> who, got, who got that? Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Some of it still exists back home at my parents' place in Australia because my sister has taken a liking to some of it, um, which hurts a little bit. Um, but yeah, I actually gave um, most of it away, I believe. Um, a couple of Wanderers mates I've got, um, some of it just got thrown out. Yeah. Surprised that I've been no, got yeah. burnt. Yeah, slow death. Yeah. That was a great experience. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but, but everyone, everyone at the club was obviously fantastic to me, and a oh, lot of them did did know that fact as well. So that was, yeah, still, a, nah. was still a great experience. Yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, um, it, well, you know, it's like we're lucky enough to obviously be able to talk to um, bloody Labano Huliti every now and then, and so forth. We've had him on the show. Ah, very nice. Yeah. So it's the same thing, you know. What I mean, obviously, you know, Newcastle, yeah, born and through, you know, loves the Jets and everything else. But at the same time, you can't say much. Wrong about the back staff and everything else. They're all no, exactly right. You, and you, you're honest, gonna go with you're gonna go with the workies. A hundred percent. But at the same time, let's be honest. It's um, you know, as, as painful as it is to say, it as a Jets fan, their youth system, their training facilities, and everything else now is just yeah, it's, it's got to be pretty much one of the best in the comp. Um, yeah, their new setup's very nice. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, Lucas, welcome, mate. Lucas, C, Craig Duncan, great bloke. There you go. Yeah. Um. Thanks for jumping in, uh, Lucas. So obviously you moved from there. I, I believe there was a little bit of a stint at the 
GWS Fury netball. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, just as kind of like a it was like a kind of few days a week thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think they're like it's like a state league type competition. Mm. Um, but yeah, again, that was a, a different experience um, working with um, what well, women for for first and then second, obviously in a completely different sport. Um, yeah. yeah. So again, required us to to stretch our thinking a little bit and um, yeah. yeah, again, another great experience. Another great experience, absolutely. So we'll obviously, again, guys, we're just going to we'll wrap through a few of these, obviously, really quickly, just to sort of give you an idea of where he's been and obviously how far he has come to obviously get to where he currently is. Um, obviously, you moved from there. You were lucky enough to get a gig at, obviously, the club you support, Sydney FC, uh, as a post-grad student, I believe. Yep. Yeah, so yep. So, um, definitely that was, an honor, that sure. was probably one of the, the better experiences I got. Yeah, that was, um, so that was with... Um, when Andrew Clark was there, obviously that was the sixteen seventeen season. So that was, um, oh yeah, yeah. The very very little role that I had to play was still incredible to kind of sit back and watch that environment. Um, yeah, it was um, it was very very good. Yeah, so so it's actually quite interesting when you sort of look at it there. So Masters Project investigating the reliability of the club's GPS slash HR technology. Um, specifically comparing the data collected from Polar Team Pro Chest Strap versus Base Layer Integrated HR Shirt. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's yeah? So that was just to do with my uh, master's degree. So yeah. I was there as a as a postgrad student. So mm-hmm. I had to complete uh, one an internship unit, uh, which I completed there, obviously, and then also a, a project. Um, and that was that was something that the that the club wanted me to to look at just as a bit of internal research. Uh, that was something that that Clarkie wanted me to have a look at. Um, so yeah, that's that's all that was. It was just some some very detailed um, bit of research to carry out on the monitoring technology the club was using at the time. Yeah. So yeah. What obviously as a player for a player, what what does that entail? How do, how does that help players? Can you tell? Um, them so it's probably. In terms of its actual application, probably more um, interesting or specific to the backroom staff. Uh, so it was comparing. So Polar at the time had um, two different ways of, of wearing the GPS um, tracker, but the GPS tracker was a heart rate monitor and a, a GPS monitor in the same device. And so they were currently wearing it as a chest strap, but then the company brought out a um, what what's described as a base layer shirt. So it was like a tight vest that they could put traditionally where most GPS um, sit at kind of at the back of in between the shoulders um, that took heart rate via kind of a, an electronic strip that ran down the front. Um, And so I was just really just, okay, where do we get the most accurate information? Is it around the chest or is it at the, at the back? And that's in its most simplest form. That's what it was. um, Cause that's one of the, what they wanted to know. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll fly through a couple of here. Obviously, you went from, so, you, so let's get this right, guys, in the chat. Obviously, you've gone from, you know, slalom, um, canoeing, kayaking, whatever it was. I can't remember. Yeah. Top canoeing. Um, it's got a paddle. So yep. Completely <laughs> different. It's all the same. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've gone from there. You've done, obviously, the Western Sydney. You've done a little bit of in the um, netball side of things. You've gone back to a bit of football. You then moved to NRL. Yes. Um, uh, with the St. George Dragons. So yeah, that was a little um, little stopover, yeah. little stopover. Then, obviously, the Australian sports scientist for the Football Federation of Australia. Spent a couple of years there. Uh, yeah, that was just, just helping Dunco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
NPL player pathway camp. So obviously you got a little bit there. Was that in the Young Socceroos? Goes, yeah, so that, that was kind of just a, yeah. I guess what you call a casual thing. So whenever yeah. uh, they needed help with any type of camps, yep. I just kind of jumped in and, and helped over a period of a couple of years. So, yeah, right. nothing massively regular about it, but, yeah, just jumped yeah. in whenever they needed a hand. There you go. Obviously, a bit of time in New South Wales Rugby League as well. Bloody beautiful. Uh, strength and conditioning coach, the King's School, and... Injury prevention specialist, strength and conditioning for New South Wales ambulance. That could have that would have been interesting. Well, it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah very I, interesting. I could imagine. I learned, I learned an awful lot from that job. Yeah, despite I, it I, being non-sport, it was yeah incredibly insightful. Yeah, um, and then obviously you've done a bit obviously with Western Tigers as well. West um, is that the Tigers over there in the NRL as well? So you've you've been around, mate. You've been around. You've got plenty of. Obviously, experience under your belt. You've, I'm sure you've got unbelievable amount of knowledge in the field, which you wanted to go down, obviously. And then from there, it pretty much you, you, the move to um, England came about. So, obviously, how did that happen? How did it, what, what made you, did you just want to go on a holiday? Did you think, bugger it, let's do it? Um, or did you have something lined up to get over there? Didn't have anything lined up. Um, it was... Like, but personally and professionally, it was something that um, I'd kind of wanted to do for a while. Um, with jobs being somewhat unavailable um, to most people in my profession, just yeah. simply because of a supply and demand thing, you, I think you've got to be prepared to move. Um, and being, you know, a football fan and being aware of, the I guess the robustness of the the football systems that they had in place in England that it was something that I just had always wanted to do, um, and then uh, personally, so um, my girlfriend wanted to to move to England to get a chance to travel a little bit and work, and and so it all just kind of lined up for us. You know, we kind of what was it May June 2019? We kind of said, you know what, we don't we don't pull the pin. Um, we're gonna going to have too much set up here to be able to do anything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, started planning for that. Um, I started putting in all the groundwork that was required for me to even have a shot at getting a job over there. Um, and then, yeah, uh, September 30, we, uh, we took off for a little holiday and November 8th settled in the UK. There you go. Uh, Dan's put in here, is the job the same but different each time you switch sports? By that, I mean same principles, uh, but maybe just different rehab, maybe, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the, look, the principles of our job will, will never change. Um, there's a, obviously, as a, you'll find in just about most jobs and professions, um, obviously, the end goal is going to be different depending on sometimes the sports. Obviously, if you look at rugby league versus football, you know, in rugby league, you got to prepare players for heavy contact um, as a, a, a gross example um, in terms of the, the need for, for strength and power development. A little more obvious, obviously, yeah. if you're running into a tackle, you need to have strong leg drive. Um, whereas in football, it's a little bit more hidden and disguised and you need to decipher a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, the principle is going to stay the same. Um, obviously, just the individual player you're working with in that sport, the culture is going to be a little bit different. And the end goal where you want to end up um, will vary a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I believe you're living in Birmingham at the moment. 
Yes, mate. Yeah. 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 How's 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 life over there, mate? He's, we were talking about lockdown the other day. Actually, when I spoke to you. Obviously, yeah. it was a little bit different um, compared to say, obviously Manchester and so forth. So, did mm. you guys were able to get out a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, hasn't been too bad the last little bit. Um, we're in a quite a nice area in, in Harborn, um, and you know, just close to the high street up the road. So loads of pubs up there. So we've been up there a fair few times. Um, Thank you know, just God around, he didn't like, say Aston. Stuff around. <laughs> what was that no, mean? I have to drive past it when I come when I come in from work. But that's um, all right. As long as you have to drive past it, that's fine. A <laughs> little bit further down. Mate. <laughs> That's good. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, obviously you would talk about Derby. Dan's in here. Obviously, Derby tragic. Um, you know, born and bred there himself. He did give me a question to ask you. The main question I have for Nathan here is: being around the club right now, what is the story behind this takeover? And if it does happen, does that mean a pay rise for yourself? <laughs> um, even if I did know the answer to that question, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I've got absolutely no idea. Um, Thank you, yeah. Newy Jets News Vantage. That has been on my mind since I saw the photo. <laughs> um, yeah, look, obviously I can't can't comment um, yeah. about anything yeah. going on like that. But um, look, I mean, I think you know most most clubs are in financial difficulty at the moment, yeah. given the given the fans aren't allowed back in. So um, yeah. Who, know, who knows what's going to happen it'd with be, that? It'd be crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be crazy. I can, I can only imagine the amount of clubs that are wanting to probably, ownerships that are probably wanting to get out if they can. Yeah, a little bit above my pay grade, all that as well. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine Pride Park being so quiet for a game. Hmm. I couldn't sure. imagine it. Yeah, atmosphere makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you guys at Jets News Fanage did put a question in there. Ben, you want to answer that one as you... As I believe you thought of yeah. Did Joe Ledley inspire your beard? <laughs> Mate, I'm actually not sure who inspired my beard. Um, <laughs> I think lockdown inspired my beard. Um, but I'll happily yep. say that, I'll happily say that, um, yeah, Joe Ledley's inspired. It's pretty close, isn't it? It's not too, not too far away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'd be pretty happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be pretty um, happy with it. Oh man! Yeah. So obviously, your time at Derby. Um, let's let's obviously talk a little bit. This is, again, the main reason why I want to get, try and get you on here is to talk about obviously injuries and so forth like that. Um, how have you found obviously working at say a team like Derby in the Championship compared to say you know West, US and Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC in the A League? What's what's some of the biggest differences? Um. Honestly, it's just I think it's just the the facilities and the resources that we have available to us. Um, yeah. There's, you know, obviously the the staff are incredibly um, well educated and well experienced in both English football and in Australian football. The the principles are very much the same. Um, the the goals are very much the same. Um, I think the the biggest difference I've seen is just the the thoroughness of um, the academy systems that we have here um it's unlike anything i've seen um it's definitely miles ahead of australia um mm. it's an area i think australia needs to improve a lot in um yeah and then it's in terms of the resource i mean the, the monitoring technology that we have um yeah. in terms of like australia's got all the all the 
the basic stuff that you would use um, across, you know, NRL and AFL and all that. Um, but yeah, I think just the, the the funding aspect, I think, is something English football is um, quite well known for. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that'd be probably the the biggest two differences. Yep. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. Definitely agree. Uh, a few people are putting in here already. We may as well get that out of the way. Wayne Rooney. What's he? Um. What's What's he like? How is he off the pitch? Uh, I, I've heard he's actually not that bad. Not a bad bloke off the pitch. Um. How How is he to work with and so forth? Wayne's been awesome to have around the club. Um, he's, you know, as professional as his record would suggest. Um, I know even from a staff perspective, he's been great to have around. Obviously, someone with that level of experience and someone who's played um, at that with that calibre. Um, and I know for the, the young boys we've got at the club, obviously, Derby County is very big on their, their academy pathways. We give a lot of minutes to a lot of academy products and... Um, We've got a lot of those boys around the first team at the, at the moment, so having someone like Wayne there is is absolutely invaluable. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, some I've wanted to ask, obviously, I suppose you'd know, I'm guessing a little bit about it. Um, Christian uh, Bielik, I believe that's how you spell his last name. He's been obviously in yes. a bit. Um, yeah. You know, a gun, gun play when he can get on the pitch. Um, I believe he's not too far away, um, so forth. What What's... How's that been a lot? Have you dealt with dealt with him a lot? Obviously, in this situation with his injury. Yeah, I I, I did a uh, bit of work with Chris early doors. Um, when was he, so he injured himself back in January. Yeah. So um, I did a, a lot of work with him early on, with regards to like I guess everything else, but his injured leg, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then obviously lockdown happened not soon. Uh, not too long after, sorry, and then obviously he cracked on with a lot of a lot of his work, uh, which he's been incredible at. Um, he's he's been a, a remarkable professional throughout that process. Um, yeah. And then yeah, little bits and pieces with him um, when we when we came back. Yeah. So, so he shouldn't be too far away, I believe. I think he's pretty well. No, he was in the he was in the was, squad was, just yesterday. Yeah. 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 So he should be hopefully back to obviously. I, mean, best I, I suppose not... I suppose a question coming off the back of that would be, had we had not gone into lockdown, would the 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 regime that he had been put on, would he be likely to come back from an injury like that quicker without COVID? I know doing it at home yourself would be a little bit more difficult. Mm. What would be the yeah, difference uh, between that? Probably not, to be honest. Um, with the work that he was getting, he got um, a lot of specific attention from, from the staff um, who are absolutely incredible. Um, he got um, equipment to take home with him. Um, and in terms of the stage that he was at, um, he didn't necessarily need anything overwhelmingly specific at that time, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I mean, any ACL you're looking at in a, in a full-time professional environment, you're looking at minimum nine months. Um, so, and he's, what is he, 10, bit over 10 months now. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't have affected the, the time frames. Yeah. Um, Dan brings in a good one as well, obviously. Another, again, you know, lovely Liverpool as well. Obviously, Jordan Ibe, he, how far is he away? He should, be, he should be close, hopefully. Yeah, George is getting, um, he's getting fitter every week. That's yeah. the, I guess that's the, been the main goal. He's mm. not played a lot of, lot of football. Um, as is, you know, kind of 
well known um, mm -hmm. with obviously lockdown not helping. So um, yeah, just one week at a time, putting yeah. in the putting in the work, almost like it's like a little preseason. So um, yeah, he's getting week, uh, fitter every week. Yeah, it's good to see. Hopefully, we see him see him on the park sooner rather than later. He's um he's, he's a weapon to have, good weapon to have. Ben, he's, he's, he's got another one there. Good, strong, pacey winger he is. He goes, uh, Bialik's injury looked horrible. Glad he's nearly back to first-team action. And I assume Jordan Ive is a firefighter. He's already done that one. Uh, one, before. one before. Oh, yeah. It seems to be well-documented that we have one of the best off-the-field structures. Having been to more Farm myself, but never inside, are our facilities really up, up there in regards to the rest of the football in the country? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of... If you compare it to, I mean, I haven't seen every single club in the championship in terms of their facilities, but uh, what I'm aware of and from what I've seen, uh, Derby's facility is definitely up there um, in terms of the the off-field provisions. Um, like we've, we've got like a, like obviously our gym is, is state-of-the-art. Um, it's probably up there with some of the, the Premier League gyms. We've got, you know, recovery rooms like with pool lanes and things like that. Um, and obviously we've got a oh god knows how many pitches we've got 15 plus pitches or something so um yeah i would, I would agree i think the the facilities at more farm are really really quality and you can tell they've um yeah. invested time and, and energy into that um so yeah the players have it have a very good very good opportunity coming into that environment yeah um obviously so you you obviously work with all three grades i believe obviously from the first uh, first 23s and obviously the, the youth um yep so what what's a what's a day-to-day -day, um what, what's a day like for you what what happens when you get there what's what's your so uh meetings generally is the is the, is the first thing um yep. so we've got meetings that start at um quarter past eight in the morning so we've got uh, an academy sports science medical meeting so that's where um myself and our physio team and our doctor our sports scientists will all kind of sit in the room and run through a playlist. Who's training today? Who's not training today? Who's got what? Um, just preparing ourselves for the day ahead. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we'll have our, our first team version of that. And then generally, there's you know a little bit of opportunity for players as they kind of start to arrive and have breakfast. Um, then we have, um, we have pre-activation sessions for all three teams, which is just like a little 15-minute session. Um, and the theme will depend on when they've played or when they're about to play. Um, so, you know, if it's a day after or two days after, it's a bit more mobility recovery focused, um, not overly strenuous. Um, and then if it's kind of in the middle of the week, we've got a bit of time to a game, we try and push them a little bit more, develop a few uh, capacities. And then so that's their 15 minute sessions that all three teams will do before they go out to train. So then while they're out on the pitch training, um, I'm generally indoors with any rehabbers. Um, so from 18s, 23s to, to first team, depending on who we've got um, injured at the time, working with them. And then depending on the match day, uh, obviously with the absolutely rammed schedule we have for the first team at the moment, scheduled gym sessions uh, are few and far between. Um, but, you know, if we back off into, let's say, a pre-season, then uh, we've got, we'll have a group gym session in the afternoon. Um, 23s and 18s will still have regular dedicated gym sessions 
uh, in the afternoon with their schedule just kind of at one game a week at the moment. Um, and then a bit of admin in the afternoon and then hour drive home back to Birmingham. Beautiful. I can talk it's about pretty... it now. Has it happened? Has it? Oh, yeah. Yep, my alarm went off. <laughs> Ticked off. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'll loop me into that. The... <laughs> Um, about Wayne Rooney, obviously again, a yeah, legend. we already um, did. And, and honestly, it'd be great to see him, obviously, in a coaching aspect there. Obviously, when when he does finish up, which is what he, well, what what he signed on for, whether 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 it happens or not, we'll see what happens. Considering, yeah, I'm sure plenty of people will be after him, but um, hopefully he stays. I wouldn't have said uh, no. Hey, I wouldn't have said no. You wouldn't have said no. Yeah, no. I'll bet. Uh, obviously, Dan's got a few more in here, so. Despite recent results, are the players' moods good? Uh, and does the bad run of form, although a draw versus Burnmouth was good, have a negative effect on the youngsters um, like Sibley, uh, Bird, Knight, etc.? Oh no, not at all. I think the, you know, I think the the whole club was was disappointed with the start of the season. I mean, I don't think there's any shying away from that. But I think it's very obvious that we're playing much better. Um, yeah. recently um, you know I'm not obviously a, a football coach by any stretch of the imagination but from what I can see at least we're playing we're playing uh, we're playing better um, yeah. you know we're getting we're getting a few points and um, the look the vibe is good I mean you know the, the championship has got 46 games in it yeah, um, you know if we if we thought the season was over in the first 10 games then uh, it would be panic stations but it's yeah. far from over um, we know that players know that um, so yeah this Things are good. We're we're playing better, and you know we know that work keeps getting put in. We know the results will come. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a massive league, even in comparison to the English Premier League. It's absolutely massive. Just yeah. the sheer amount of fixtures when you add both the cups into that as well. It's yeah. it's, it's yeah. well over fifty. It's very games. intense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dan is another one. Uh, Dan's got another one there. Ben, you want to? Oh, yeah. and, and does your job include the mental side of players too? We all know lockdown has been an ass for everyone and footballers are not exempt from that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, obviously it's not like a, it's not listed in my position description by any means, but I think that every um, staff member that works um, face-to-face with players has a role to play there. Um, you know, I think especially on the, I guess on the rehab side, um, not as much, I guess. Obviously, lockdown was was tough on on everyone, um, but you know we have dedicated staff to to deal with that. We have you know health and wellbeing staff. We have um, the psychologist on board, obviously. Um, but in terms of my role in mainly a rehab setting, um, obviously we do have a lot of conversations with with players. Um, that's just something our profession has in general. Um, so we need to be we need to have good interpersonal skills from that perspective. Mm. We need to be able to listen and understand. And, um, you know, we're not there to provide mental counselling by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the biggest thing that we can do is just listen um, to what they're saying. And, you know, if it's appropriate, provide a little bit of advice from any experience that we've had ourselves. Um, but beyond that, I think we're really just there, there to listen um, and there to, to let them express themselves and any type of support we feel is appropriate at that time. Uh, particularly in the in the rehab space, uh, I think it's I think it's important, particularly with those long term injuries. Obviously, it's quite a, a tough thing for any player to have to go through. So, yeah. um, you know, we need to show that we understand what they're going through. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, question I've got, obviously, is in regards to, obviously, you know, COVID itself. Now, you're saying that you obviously travel an hour pretty well every day to go to work. Um, yep. I'm, I'm sure players are somewhat in the same boat, whether, whether it's maybe not exactly an hour, but I'm sure you know they don't all live five minutes away. Um, so over here in Australia, with our competitions, we had a bubble. So virtually mm. they were locked away as a team, um, and that included everybody from strappers to doctors, whatever. Um, to virtually see out the season and get everything done, so there was less chance of any risks of COVID and stuff Mul- like that. Multiple We've clubs, been... in some cases, in the same hotel. Co- correct. Um, obviously, again, the travel is crazy. These guys have to travel X amount of kilometres and so forth just to play a game mm. and everything else. Mm. Do you think, obviously, in your field, it may have been a good idea um, to keep everyone sort of together? Obviously, Wayne Rooney got struck down with it, had to spend time off. I'm he, he very much voiced his opinion of how frustrated he was. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that may have been a good idea? or In terms of, ideas? do you think that was a good idea for Australia to do or that's something? No, that, no, you guys, obviously, because you we guys should have don't adopted. do it. Yeah, you, yeah, obviously, you guys don't do that, I believe. I think it's just pretty much straight yeah. up. I think um, the, may have helped. if we're looking at the first, I guess, the first initial period, um, I believe that the difference was that, let's say the NRL, for an, for an example, they weren't being tested. Um, so therefore their symptoms were simply being monitored. Um, and that's why they kept them in a bubble. The difference with football was they were getting tested mm. twice a week. Um, and so there was, you know, um, much less concern over them, I guess, moving around too much, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because we'd be able to pick it up very quickly. So... Obviously, you know, we've had rules and restrictions in place across, you know, the academy and across the, the first team. Um, but, yeah, because of how regularly the first team were being tested, there is, that is probably the biggest difference to what was happening in, in football and NRL and, and the AFL. Yeah, yeah right. And I suppose you, you couldn't really do that over there in England because you've got, what, there's 22 teams, 24 teams in the championship. You can't put them in a hub somewhere. There wouldn't be enough stadiums to cater for it. Oh, no, no, I mean, no. that's kind of what the NBA did too, isn't it? They just stuck them all in yeah, Disneyland yeah. or something they went, or I don't know. Yeah, but they, yeah. yeah. I wasn't so much putting them, say, putting them all together, but just even in their own home towns, even, um, just all yeah. everything else. So they all didn't have to travel X amount of training. They all got picked up on a bus or something like that. Yeah. You know, again, I'm just more thinking of, you know, we've seen so many people get struck down with it, players and yeah. so forth. And everything else. Slat had it twice. Yeah, that's it. Why not? I think the um I think the cases in Europe is more it's more just how compressed everyone is in in the space that we have in the country and obviously the the growth of the virus itself more so than any kind of footballing policy that's in place. Uh, I think that's kind of you know, whatever you put in place, I feel like the way that COVID's going in Europe, it's almost inevitable that, you know, you'll get players that, that come down with it. Uh, I mean, you're seeing that in rugby league or, or rugby in the UK as well. Um, you're seeing a lot of players come down with it. So, yeah. yeah. It, it, it all it's boils tough. down to what I said originally, Josh, when COVID hit. Places like Europe, England in particular, and, and Spain and Italy, that it all comes down to population density in the cities. Mm. Mm. True. Like, you've very got, true. you know, a very large amount of people in a space as small as Victoria, for instance, yep. you've got three to four times, five times the amount of people in that space than what you do in Victoria normally 
with nowhere to go, then you can't social distance correctly, especially in places like shopping centres and things like that. Everybody's got to go and do their groceries, even footballers. Like, it, 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 it's inevitable that it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, Aiden's asked, obviously, how how was the winter? How did you prepare? Um, <laughs> how was it when you first? It's how a, was your first winter? It's a experience? different sort of cold. Bloody freezing. Oh, honestly, it's just when people ask me how England is, I say wet, cold, and windy because yep. that's literally what it is in, in winter. Yep. Um, I mean, I look I, personally. I don't. I don't mind the cold. Um, mm. Like I don't mind like you know thirteen fourteen degrees in Sydney, um, but yeah, it is definitely a different kind of cold um, when you're getting to your car to drive to work in the morning and your your bloody windscreen's frozen over and you're spending ten minutes trying to defrost it. Um, yeah, very cold. Very cold. And we're coming up. To, we're coming up to winter again too. Yeah, so, yeah. See, when I, I when I went, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I went back to the UK. I went at the end of '06, right in the middle of, right in the middle of their winter, and I found that it not only is it a completely different sort of cold, but at like three, four degrees over there, I was walking around in a short sleeve shirt. I couldn't do that here in Melbourne. I'd be freezing my tits off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine it being any better now, though. Dan's, you know, Dan's just put that in the chat. Obviously, not just winter. Summer, summer is, is well. wet and cold wet, and windy, cold too. Cold and windy. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. not wrong. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's more just bipolar than anything. Like, I remember, like, so when we're in lockdown, you know, be sitting by the window and, oh, it's a bit of sun today, you know what? And then you look, you know, you concentrate on something else for a couple of hours and you look, oh, it's raining, cool. <laughs> it's just very uh, back and forth. It's very <laughs> Melbourne. But yeah, <laughs> four seasons in one day. Pack, pack everything. Um, <laughs> obviously, we're talking about owners and so forth. Before, have you have you had a chance? Have you met Melvin Morris? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, you know, one of the we've got a very uh, robust, um, I guess, backroom structure at the club. So there's mm. absolutely no need for me to, to have a conversation. I've got a, a very, very good boss uh, in Luke Jenkinson and. Um, Anything from our department that needs to be taken to the appropriate channels is, is dealt through oh. him. So, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was more than you, but he just passed the boy. Obviously, he's born and bred in Derby. Um, everyone else, oh, yeah, like you see him, he's, you see him around the training ground and stuff, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, like he's, he's yeah. definitely around the club and everything else again, which is another good aspect, obviously, to, to see, you know, not whether you talk to him and so forth, but just the fact that he's actually there and you physically see him, see him around, which is great. You know, Ben yeah. and I would love that for our, hopefully the next owners of the Jets, that'd be fantastic. Um, I, I said it about Birmingham before. We still don't know who runs the company that owns Birmingham City Football Club. And they've been in, <laughs> and they've been owners for like four years. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. For everyone in the chat who doesn't know Melvin Morris, he is the um, fa- Miss, famous... Mr. Candy Crush. King, that's it. Mr. King. Candy Crush. Mr. King. Absolutely. Uh, Dan's putting there, that's why we Brits mainly talk about the weather. Yep, not wrong. Fair enough. Uh, um, Luke, I hope so, as much as Josh would shoot me for saying that. What's that? Uh, hopefully that Hayley Razzo's Everton beat City in the Women's FA Cup tonight. I'm going to sit yeah. up and watch it. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. It'd be good to see an Aussie 
take out another title. Good. It's what we want to see in, in football. Um, obviously, you know, not obviously, you know, we're talking about this stuff like that. Where Whereabouts do you see yourself, mate? Where, where do you want to get to? Obviously, you're enjoying your time, obviously, at Derby, um, you know, for excellent manner, however long that may continue. But do you have somewhere where you want to be? Is there somewhere that you want to get to? Or are you just happy just posting the oh, way you Look, up? I mean... Oh, I think I'd, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I have some sort of a, yeah. I guess, a career plan mapped out. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's important. But at the same time, it's that doesn't mean that I don't have uh, a great appreciation and um, yeah. understanding of how important where I am is um, to mm-hmm. my to my career. And obviously, I'm just um, happy to have had this opportunity. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I really expected. Um, I planned for it. But, you know, there was every chance that it wasn't going to come through. So I'm just incredibly grateful to be in the position I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm learning an awful lot. Um, I said the calibre of the people that, that work at the football club is incredible. So I'm learning every day. Um, so, yeah, obviously I have long-term career aspirations, but in terms of the, the short term. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, 2020-year plan. You know where you want to get to, but however long it takes, well... That's exactly it. Whatever you enjoy, just enjoy what you're doing now. Um, yeah, exactly. I've got myself a question as well. And as being an Australian, you know, our exposure to football as the world game, especially to England in the early, say, 90s, was it was a very limited exposure. What mm. team in English football did you grow up supporting? Uh, uh, Manchester United was my was my uh, club of choice growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, for family reasons. Uh, so my, my grandpa supported Manchester United quite heavily. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that was the, the team that I grew up supporting. Uh, my dad kind of rocked the boat and supported Liverpool. Um, so, mm. yeah, that was always, in, always interesting. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so then as, I guess, as my career developed, I became more of a, more of a part-time supporter. But, yeah. um, and I tried to jump on board more in the A-League as opposed to um, English football. I believe that's, from a a football supporter perspective, I think it's important to support your local local clubs um, to help try and grow the game. Mm. I suppose it's it's the same sort of question I get asked as well. It's like, who is that team that you support? I've never seen them before. I'm like, no, that's because we haven't been in the UPL for a long time now. But it's well. Why did you choose to support them? And I'm like, I didn't choose. I was. It was chosen for me by blood. <laughs> That's it. You do what you got to. Yeah, there's there's a loyalty there, isn't there? Yeah, it, it, it's a family loyalty. I mean, that is born and bred Brummy. Grew mm. up, grew up in Small Heath. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> ben, you want to answer this? Didn't, have, didn't have any other choice. Yeah. No, exactly. And all the ex-whites support the villa. <laughs> uh, okay. So Dan comes in with, if we became the next Manchester City and became a top six team in the Premiership, would you maybe find your path change slightly? Let's be honest. It's crucial to enjoy your job, but we all know that money talks. <laughs> I think oh, I think, that's I think you've had too many clients, Dan. I think it's a nine AM Sunday special. I think now. Yeah. His, his his nose very a, very close to the Derby heart. That one. <laughs> like you you got to go where the money is. Absolutely. 
But I don't see that oh, happening look. to Derby in the next couple of years. Then, <laughs> let's be honest. It'd be nice. Oh yeah, of course, of course, it'd be nice. But I don't know how said, realistic top six of the Premier League is right at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Let's be honest. If you're in the championship, and obviously we've heard it firsthand um, from yourself, Nathan, of you know the facilities are top notch. Mm. That's yeah. The, the the thing is just to get out of the championship. Let's be honest. Yeah, the, got, the championship's such a it's such, yeah, it's such a dog fight. Honestly, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I did. I knew. I knew a little bit about it um, before before coming here, just from a football supporter's perspective, mm. and yeah. Um, researching the jobs and stuff that were available to me, but I didn't realize like, and even in terms of its like support, I mean, it's like a, like, it's like a top five in terms of attendance, like the last obviously full season that fans were allowed to attend. It was like a mm. top five supported league, in, oh, yeah. like beating a lot of other first divisions, um, Absolutely. like Italy and Germany and stuff. It was, it was incredible, yeah. you know, and to get for a second division competition to get like, you know, a lot of clubs to get 20,000 people plus to a game. Like, you don't see that in the NRL. So no. it's, um, I mean, yeah, I, it's, I it's suppose that just boils, of, of a I, league. I feel that just boils down to the English culture around football itself. That yes. you don't, you don't generally support a team that, you know, that is successful. You support the team that is your home team. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, we're, Admittedly, like we're a bit spoiled for choice. I mean, here in Australia, being in Sydney, you can choose to support either Sydney FC or Western Sydney, and you know y- yeah. you've got you've got those chances. Whereas mm. in England, it is like like we mentioned earlier, it's basically picked for you pre-birth, based on where you live. Yeah, yeah, based yeah. on based on where you live, and and the last you know forty to sixty odd years of your family history has has come through that. Mm. Yeah, I suppose the other thing as well is that again, it's yeah, I suppose the best thing about English supporters is they they aren't like no other. Supporters. They are loyal and they you know are I mean? they are lo- yes exactly. It's no different as you said, Sydney, Melbourne, and stuff like that. You know, um, how many Melbourne Victory fans and Melbourne City fans jump to Western? Jump to Western because they could, you know, because they didn't have to worry about it. You know, they live in Geelong and they don't have to worry about it now, so they go there. But then. Some people who still live in the West didn't. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of them. It's just like, nah, bugger that. I've been supporting Melbourne Victory my whole life. I'm not going to because I can. Mm. Um, but in England, it's just 100%. You could build a team next door um, and it's like, yeah, not happening. <laughs> Good luck finding fans. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, no one's going to do it. You know, they know what side of the bridge or whatever it is from you know, Liverpool to Everton to you know, Birmingham and Villa. They know where they were born and, you know, I know a bloke I used to work with or whatever it was who was a Villa fan. Obviously, his family really didn't give a shit, but it was because he was born in that, the, the, the specific hospital, <laughs> like on that sort of side or whatever it was he was saying, that that's, yeah. that was it. You know what I mean? Like, did he, care, did he have any other reason behind it and did he really support them? No. But were we going to go into a pub otherwise? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and saying that, Dan, Dan disagrees with me for the pre-pick teams. It, it comes down to a lot of other factors aside from just blood. There are multiple other factors. I was just using that one as, a, as an example because it is a, a quite big sample size. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there's, yeah. Um, I think it was a stuff, Sex Savers and Apex Sam. What the hell? Oh, okay. Did the whole thing. 
I'll ask one more question though, just for giggles. We all hate Leeds, don't we? <laughs> I've heard there's a, that's a, that is a big rivalry. I kind of came into the middle of that, didn't I? I'd, like I, and then I watched. Um, I got told I'll go and watch last year's last year's playoff semi-final. Oh, yeah. When I watched it, it was an incredible game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I find, I find more enjoyment out of championship games than what I do in EPL games. Yeah, just oh, not yeah. just not when we're playing. But again, though, yeah. freaking watching Birmingham Villa is 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 intense. It's, it's like, huge. You've you've heard it from players and stuff like that. Even you know, like getting onto the pitch and then you just don't know where to look. Like you know, what I mean, like yeah. it's just you can't hear yourself think. You you're trying to scream to players and shit like that, and they they can't hear each other and. Oh, it's, it's just chaotic, which is great yeah. to see. It's intense. Yeah. The blue, yeah, the Blues great. Villa rivalry is 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 up there in the some of the country's most heated, and it's not even an EPL rivalry. Yeah, exactly right. It's location. Been, yeah, exactly location. I could have been a Mariners fan, but I had enough sense. Like Luke's just put in there. Did uh, did you play football as a kid? Uh, I did, yeah. Um, I played for uh, a club called Epping East with Tigers for since I was well, under thirteen. Pretty much, I played the the yeah. top level there. Played Premier League um, for that club, and then um, had a had actually tore my ACL in two thousand fifteen, and that kind of put a and then and then my career kind of just got in the way of everything. So haven't really played much since then. There you go. Thought about thought about. What, what what's it like over there? Obviously, for everyone who hasn't been to England, and you know they, these guys playing concrete, they they don't give a shit. They, I'll play, they'll play on anything. Mate. <laughs> yeah, no. they don't play. What's what's it like? Obviously, around you know traveling on say like just the hour drive, watching the youngsters play, and how how intense is it from an early age? Watching like even from the youngsters. Into like football in general. Yeah, it's just in general. Like, what, what's yeah, well, for people people like us over here who just you know yeah. Mum and dad just say, "Oh yeah, cool. You're going to play or whatever it is, and you know, shits and giggles or whatever it is." I couldn't imagine what it'd be like over there. My mum was a hard. No, it's <laughs> yeah, mate. It's um, it's it's very very intense. As I said, with um, the academy systems that are in yeah. place here, um, all the way it's like I mean, 18s and 23s. You know, for us, they're, they're that's full time for them. Like they're mm. full time professional footballers. Mm. Um, we have, and then we go all the way down to under nines. Like that's the, and you've got that across. So your category. So we're a Premier League academy. So that's you got twenty four clubs, and so mostly Premier League teams plus a few Championship teams. And you got Category Two academies. So you're looking at like at least forty plus teams across England that have these under nines all the way through to twenty three systems in place. Yeah. And it's you know, and then then on top of that, like a professional level, you've got the conference tiers and things like that. And, the levels of football is just endless. It, like is, it is a religion. Yeah, and like, and there's even a, a few of the um, you know, backroom staff. We've got the the club that play kind of Sunday league, and like they look like decent footballers. Like it's kind yeah. of like it, almost like the Sunday league standard is is better <laughs> than I think what our Sunday league might be as well. Just from looking at a few of the few of the players. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's just it's in the blood over here. Nothing else. I could oh, yeah, Sunday league would be nuts. Blokes who just freaking have got the skill and got the talent and just can't be arsed. I'd rather have a beer straight after the game and shit. And yeah, they've got yeah. as much skill as any other 
bloke playing freaking professional football, maybe even. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, love, love to love the beer or whatever too much. Um, I suppose another good one I like to get an insight, obviously, from past people we've had on um, as well, is, I don't know if you know much about it, the whole, you know, I suppose the, the money system and that with the academy. So, for, for example, over here, you know what I mean? It's so expensive. You know what I mean? To put your yeah. kid into uh, an academy of, say, Western Sydney or not even, even just an MPL side, your Marconis and stuff like that. It is crazy dollars. And you may get 15, 16 games if you're lucky for the season. And that's it. Games are done. Yeah. You finish up. You, you know, he finishes in October or whatever it is. And then you don't see him until well, you might do a little bit of preseason because it's an academy side of thing. But that's it. They don't play football again till you know, March, April. Yeah, you pay, pay your money what? again and off we go. And that's it. And that's yeah. it. It's another round bit. And yeah, that's it. There's no travel. What's do you know? What's it like over there for that? Is it is it expensive from what you've seen, or do you have any? Audience? So I mean, don't don't quote me. On it. Yeah. I'm not one hundred percent sure, oh, yeah. but I think I don't think. Sorry, I think the club pays the players' way. Um, so the the idea being that they get recruited from a young age, yeah. with the idea that they are going to be an asset to the club at some point in their career. Um, I think that's the way that that's the way the academies and the, the football clubs look at it. Mm-hmm. So yep. they try and identify players as early as they can, get them before any other club, yep. and say, right, we're going to train this guy up, we're going to pay for him to train, all that, um, and then I mean, we're not talking about they're not full time or anything, obviously, yeah. but um, and then the idea is they come through the 18s, 23s, and and then if you look at players like you know uh, Louis Sibley and Max Bird, and mm. you know they've come all the way through the system and yep. that's that's where they make that's where they make their money so um i definitely think as a as a football fan and having worked in football i can definitely see some areas where i would like to see australia do better um and it is it is frustrating watching the kind of stalling progress of the league in australia yep. and i think that the the youth systems have a, a part to play in that um you know and obviously i know that the, at least the two sydney clubs was at the there are decent, you know, pathway systems there. They've got academy staff, and there's, you know, they've got obviously a range of teams, and I'm sure everything's yep. relatively well structured. But um, again, I might come down just to to a funding thing. Obviously, so many sports competing for money from the government, yeah. um, that that could be a, a big thing. But yeah. yeah, I think it's you know our job to kind of to work around that. So um, yeah, I'd like to see the Australian football system I don't know, change things a little bit. Um, yeah, because I think there's obviously I think England show that um, there's a, there seems to be a model that that works. So, yep, yep, no, hundred percent. And as I said, like that was literally going to be sort of our ending discussion. Was obviously how you, what are your thoughts? Obviously on things that may need to change in Australia and stuff like that. And obviously again, Ben and Ben and I have spoken to heaps of current, past um, players, coaches, stuff like that. A um, few internationals, obviously Guy Bates. We've had. Um, we have on here, Carl, Carl Dodd. Robinson, Carl Dodd, uh, Carl yeah. Dodd, Carl Robinson. Yeah, we've had, we've had plenty on. And again, it all comes down to, you know, what do they think? Obviously, things need to change. And again, a lot of them, a lot of the same answers, you know, the academy systems need to change. They need to bring something yeah. back, like the AIS, the way it used to be, mm. where you pick the best players from around Australia, they all come, and that's it. You put them into a hub so to speak, and, and they travel Australia, they go overseas, yeah. they do these tours. That's the biggest thing. Like, 
Um, Basically, you know, a new ver- a new and updated version of the AIS. Correct. Yeah, Correct. I think I even so from a. I guess back when I was a more of a, I guess a dedicated senior FC supporter. Obviously, it's yeah. hard to support them when your time differences are so off. But um, you know, signings like Del Piero and, and things like that, and you know, obviously Jets when they had Heskey come in, and you know, signings like that. While they were great at the time, they yeah. gave the league a lot of popularity. I think you know that was it 14, 15, 15, 16. I know like mm-hmm. the Sydney Derby just blew up. It was. Yeah. You know, incredible is kind of like the big showpiece fixture of Australian sport. Um, you know, as much to State of Origin fans' um, dismay, but it was. Um, and, you know, you, they were using those marquee plays as a way to attract attention and attract supporters, which worked. Like, I put bums on yeah. seats, but um, we there needs to be, a, I guess, a, a longer-term solution system in, in place. Uh, and look, and I'm not obviously any expert on the area, but that's just kind of the way I see it. I think if they've got those those good academy systems in place and um, they're giving youth a chance as a culture of, of producing players from, you know, your under-21s team and, and getting them through, then over time the quality will get better and, you know, and players will want to come to the league as opposed to us having to go out and pay lots of money to get high-profile players in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to be um, it's going to be interesting A League season. I think we're going to see a lot more of clubs using youth. They've got yeah, no, they've got no choice. They have to. They've, well, they've really got yeah. no choice. Exactly right. Other than obviously your high profile teams, obviously Melbourne Victory has recruited very well um, in the last couple of weeks. They picked up a couple of ex obviously ex Derby United um, Derby County players, and obviously it was the other one, Swindon Town or something like that. Falami, so Luton Town. yeah, Fal- Luton Town. yeah, Luton. Falami is at um, Ipswich. Falami, yeah, Butterfield was obviously the other one. Uh, Derby, former Derby player. So they're obviously you know still getting these sort of high-profile players, but obviously there are going to be a lot of teams in the competition that aren't going to have that luxury. They may be able to get one or two if they're lucky, but oh, um, like us, none. Yeah, that's it, that's it, mate. You know, whatever. It's, no, oh, sorry, sorry. I'll rephrase that. All clubs like us that are struggling to keep the ones that we currently have. Yeah, but again, you can't, you can't, up, you can't get up them for wanting out. You know what I mean? Oh no, I don't hold anything. We've seen so much crap and so much going on about the Newcastle Jets. Obviously, as Jets fans, it's chaos. We've got an owner who mm-hmm. hasn't put a dime into the club for over twelve months. Um, you know, the coach has walked out on us. Um, yeah. Again, I, I get some sort yeah. of reasoning why, but at the same time, it still is. He's definitely walked out on us. Um, and all because, obviously, again, we can't give them reassurance. And now players yeah. obviously want out. You know, Beanies and uh, Stevie, Stevie Darkovich and stuff. like they, they want out because, as I said, as Stevie put it straight up, he goes, the simple fact is I don't want to be in a rebuild. He's yeah. He's been there long enough. He's been through enough of it. Um, he's in the prime of his... You know, football career, and he's not going to get many more chances, and he's playing great football. So, yeah, um, if he gets picked up from someone, sweet as. But at the same time, yeah. I think, I think um, Australian football is in a an interesting predicament at the moment. Obviously, COVID. They were in a predicament despite COVID. Yeah. Um, just yeah. because, as I've said, at some point they're going to have to bite the bullet and just find a way to attract the fans that exist in Australia. Like the amount of people that I know. Um, who support, who don't support the A-League, but will stay up till 2am to support, support the Arsenal. Or something. Yeah. And I'm like, you're 
like you got to admire the commitment and admire the passion. I'm like, mate, you've got a club 30 minutes down the road <laughs> that you could support and get by. And they, they'll whinge at the quality. Yep. And I'm like, well, by you not supporting means that there's not as much money going into it, which means we can't right. build the systems we need to actually increase the quality. Yep. So it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of these fans available to, um, you know, the governing bodies to, to yeah. try and attract, um, yep. And it's just about finding the best ways to, to get them there regularly. Um, and obviously that is through the, the playing quality. And I guess that's where the temptation for marquee players comes about. But yeah, again, whether long-term that's the right right solution, yeah, I'm not yeah. not sure. And to, be, and to be brutally honest, I was one of those people for a very long time. Mm. No, I mean, it, they, English, I mean, the EPL is obviously the best league in the world. So it's, you know, it's, you can't blame anyone for wanting to watch and support the English Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible football to watch. Um, but yeah, it's more. Are you a are you a fan of um, your club, or are you are you a fan of are you a fan of football? Yeah. So it's yeah. and that was the thing. I was always a fan of, of football, um, right. and so I want to I want to see. And that's you know big reason I wanted to come on, on this podcast for for example is because I want to see football do better. Uh, in yeah. Australia, I want to see it. I want to see it grow. It's the most heavily participated sport in yep. Australia. Yet, funding-wise, doesn't get as much okay. as I, I believe it should. Um, you know, in like you know, compare it to NRL. I mean, I think the potential in in football is so much greater. Um, so, yeah, just from a football fan perspective, I want to see it. I want to see it grow. A hundred percent, and that's pretty yep. much what we are all about. As I said, we are no, and it's the biggest thing there. We're not journo's. We're nothing like that. We're just two blokes who love football watch anything, you know what I mean? Like, let's be honest, I've just bought a um, Sluts scarf and shirt at the oh, time oh, when... Oh, wow. At, yeah, at, literally at the time where we had no football and there was nothing to do and the only football yep. we could watch was... Was, um, that, was a Belarusian Premier League? A Belarusian League, mate, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I got, on, I got on and watched a few games. You know what I mean? But it, that's it. Like, it was, it's, it's football. I can't go without watching football and... I needed a fix and I jumped on the bandwagon like a lot of Aussies did. And mm-hmm. um, here we are, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. And as I said, we just love the game and love to talk about obviously football from all parts of it. You know, Ben and I mm. are heavily involved. Like want to try and get heavily involved with the women's game because we mm. think it's atrocious. Not anywhere else, but over here, it is yeah. absolutely disgusting. We've had umpteen dozen, um, female professionals come on the show and just just to hear them and just to, you know, how how disappointed they are. Um, yeah, they need to do better. Yeah. You know what I mean? The four-month four contracts. Four-month contracts are a joke. You yeah. Know, like, I remember, yeah, my brief my brief time with the, the Wonders women's team, I know that yeah. there was very few of them that were full-time. I think there might have been one or two yep. from memory, but most of them had to go, to, you know, we were, we were training at 6 a.m., because mm-hmm. everyone had to go to work. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that we need to get need to get the women's game to a stage where they can be full-time. Yeah, uh, and that, I think that's going to that's gonna require some investment on, yes. um, on certain people's behalf. Especially, uh, especially, especially with the Women's Premier League now coming in and, and, and taking the, the good crop of players that we do have from, well, not only from here in the A-League, but also from the American Women's League as well. They're, it's shown that they're putting umpteen's amount of money into it to try and lure them across and the standard of football is good aside from that as well you've got us who have got the women's world cup coming up so that's where the dollars should be going yeah 
fully into the females game. And as you said, you speak to the amount of girls we've had on the show and that's it, you know, like they get up, they go to training, they go to work. The season finishes after four months or whatever it is, and then they're travelling from Newcastle to Sydney just to play yeah, stop. the competition there because it's much better. So, you know, you finish work, you think about a two, you know, two and a half, three-hour commute there and back from Sydney. Train, um, it's not train. sustainable. No, no exactly not. right. Exactly right. And and, you know, I, and just... I find it difficult to to... And this is nothing against the women, but I find it difficult to turn around and, and say that Yes, they are a professional player because the contract doesn't even run for half a year. Like, mm. how can we as a govern? How can how can Football Federation Australia as a governing body call them professional sports people when they're not even employed as professionals for six months of the year? Yeah, yeah, well, I, it's, I think, dis- it's was, disgraceful. Yeah, there's a valid and like there's a valid valid argument in terms of. The revenue and what and what you bring in, and but I think it's a little bit short sighted because mm. you you've got to give them an environment that and that gives them the opportunity to maximise that revenue, if that makes yes. sense. So you put them in yeah. an environment that is full time, and they have you know the yeah. the staff available to them, they have the facilities available to them to become full time, and then give them the best chance to produce the quality on the pitch that will bring in greater revenue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think many teams can be expected to bring in the amount of revenue that people are expecting hmm. given the constraints that they find themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of work that needs to happen. Obviously. It's just, yeah, a, it's uh, just a sore point for us. No, I don't, there's any, anyone who is a football person, you know, should be, should be upset about that. You know, these girls are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to freaking play the sport they love and everything else. And then they, after four months, they're going to, go back and find a job or they're trying to study and study plus work, plus train, then play, then travel um, just to friggin', you know, do something they want to do. It's just bullshit. You know, it's just, it's not right. And hopefully it gets fixed sooner rather than later. But again, as Nathan said, and as we've said on many occasions, it needs to change. The game in Australia definitely needs to move forward. Um, I think uh, Johnson was saying that, the second division looks like it's going to come into effect possibly 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, thereabouts. But again, I don't see why you can bring, how they can really bring in a second division unless the top tier of the women's game is, isn't is done first. You know, you know what I mean? Like I feel yeah. that the A-League and the W-League are the two main competitions that we need to strengthen and make sure that they're right mm-hmm. first before we start adding in second tiers and stuff like that. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a subject we can talk about for hours. It's a, yeah, it's a very sore point. But yeah, but honestly, mate, we are, um, yeah, we, 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 we thank you very much for jumping on, obviously, to talk a little bit about your time no, no in England. And, um, yeah, may, may it continue, mate. Oh, may um, it continue. Exactly right. Hopefully at Derby for a bit. And as I said, mate, who knows where you'll end up, mate. Maybe maybe on the um, Socceroos radar. Getting get traveling yeah. the world with the Socceroos. We'll Let's be honest. Couldn't couldn't think of a better job to be fair. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah one step at a time. Stop, stop over at stop one. over at St Andrews wouldn't go astray either. <laughs> well, it's not too far away, is it? No, it is not. On <laughs> the down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, thanks for having me on, boys. I want to add one thing as well as part of obviously myself coming on here was um, you know me wanting to help help support the game back home. Uh, as part of that, I've also started a 
like a, I guess an online business of, of sorts, um, reaching out to mainly Australian footballers that want a little bit of help reaching the next level. Um, yeah. So I've already taken on board a, a couple of guys from the MPL that are looking to have some trials over whether it's over here or in Europe. Um, yeah. So if anyone's interested in, in something like that, I'm, I am taking on a small number of, of people um, in an online capacity to help support that process. So yeah, um, yeah nah. if you just if, yeah, uh, nah, send me, honestly, if you, you send me uh, an email to yeah. uh, info at nphumanperformance.com, um, yeah. I'll be able to, if anyone's interested, I'll be able to help. This is nah, you know, mate. obviously time-wise not obviously um, <laughs> massively available, but um, I do want to help grow the game as much as possible. And um, that's obviously an area that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm good at and obviously want to help people as much as I can. No, absolutely, mate. Honestly, mate, if you can get us as much info on it as you possibly can, we'll, plug um, it. we'll, we'll plug the crap out of it. We'll friggin' send it everywhere we can. As I said, the biggest thing for us is we love supporting local businesses, whether it be here, obviously, you know, Aussies overseas and stuff like that, just obviously trying to better the game, as you said. Um, so, yeah, any info you can give us, mate, um, send it to us. Yeah, I'll, happen. Happen. I'll we'll, send some through. We'll plug it as much as we possibly can and so forth. Because um, yeah, that, that's yeah, that, again, that's that's what it's all about. Um, is you know, obviously, guys like yourself getting obviously a great opportunity to travel overseas and you know, especially to England. Let's be honest and have a look at what it's like at the top level. Yeah, you know I mean, it, where players, as you said, like the MPL players and so forth, want to be. Um, they want yeah. every, everyone's got an ambition, obviously, to play in their own you know backyard, obviously for the A League and so forth, but. You're crazy if every youngster doesn't want to play in England or Europe abroad. Yeah, um, exactly right. So for you to obviously jump on board and possibly give these guys an opportunity or and stuff like that, it's great to see because I could, I could name probably six or seven blokes in the Newcastle MPL that definitely deserve a chance and probably aren't going to get one here in the A-League, um, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bromora, for me, is a, nut, like, he's a big one. He's yeah. straight off the list. Um, started with the Jets, obviously got let go. And just razzing the MPL, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah he did. He did have a stop over at Millwall. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was over in Millwall for a bit there. Maybe probably he's probably maybe on your list <laughs> already. Um, he, he said he's got plenty of. He said. Well, he said he said he's he's looking. He said he's definitely looking. So, but yeah, no, nah, mate. Honestly, mate, we um, yeah, we thank you for for your time. Obviously, you know, can, may it continue. Obviously, as we said with Derby, hopefully things for the Rams will um change. Throughout the season, as you said, plenty of plenty of games to go, and who knows? We 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 got close last year, so I'm not going to write us off just yet. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Long way to go. Long way. Absolutely, to go. mate. No worries, mate. Will you enjoy your Sunday? Mm-hmm. Cheers, and gents. No worries, mate. You take it easy. We'll speak to you soon. Take it easy. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Thanks again. See you, buddy. See ya.